Damn, I disturb myself when I do that. Stuck him in the head with a crankbait what's happening. Now I'm about to rip it out of his head. There he is, a zombie! That was so sick. And there it is. And tonight we're with the guy who uh, stuck the crankbait in my head, Mr. Alex Rudd. I got and, it out, though. Yeah, you did. You did get it out. I'm pretty sure you put it in on purpose so you could, uh, ah, so you could get it out. Let me tell you something. There's probably been a couple situations in my life where I thought, you know, if I take one more step back, I might be able to jerk a crankbait out of somebody's head. And there's enough derangement within my mind that I might just do something like that. Well, we talked about it earlier. If you watched the video, we talked about it earlier that day when you did it. I mean, I said you joked it. about it, and then and then there there it was. There it was. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun. It was a good day. It was. It was. Well, how you making, Bone Gang? And welcome back to the podcast that is inconsistent, and I can't seem to get consistent every week. Uh, it's been actually a month. It was May 29th since the last live that I did, but uh, you know, I have have trouble finding guests i have uh trouble remembering to look for guests so therein lies a problem i just scheduled out my whole entire july and the first week of august for my podcast so oh, I'm, the look same at me, way. I'm responsible listen no i'm the same way i've missed the past three weeks in a row so i mean it's all good like i really try to be as consistent as possible but like i don't know i think the podcast would be so much easier to make Okay, let me back up a little bit. This is coming from a guy whose job is to make sure that there, there's a podcast every week. But <laughs> there's been a lot of things going on. I was out of town two weeks in a row, so that's kind of the – actually, three weeks in a row. So that's the biggest reason why, the, why there wasn't a podcast. But that being said, like, I think the whole, like, in-person podcast thing is so, like, much more available or uh, – not available, but, like, easy to do because then you're, like, forced in a time and a place. Right. You know what I mean? But – I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm neither here nor there on. Yes. I understand. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah if, if I didn't have a full-time job on top, no, I'd probably still be inconsistent. Who's yeah, you would. Trust, yeah. Me. Yeah. Trust me. You would. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about the main topic of today is going to be outdoor outlaws. <sighs> and I got the idea. We have a local guy, um, Don Dubuque, yeah, almost almost lost his name for a second. Don Dubuque, he's a local uh, media guy. Every Saturday morning on a local radio station, he does a, a, a just an outdoor show for like two hours, and he uh, crushed that Dr Pepper can. <laughs> but he um he does an outdoor show like he ta- he talks to all the guides, the local guides, and everything. Gets the fishing game reports and such, mm-hmm. and then he does the uh, bad boys of the outdoors where he reads. Uh, some of these things where people got in trouble doing things they weren't supposed to do. Oh, and I found it pretty interesting because uh, it also tells you uh, not only when, where, and how, and what, and why, and all that good stuff, but it tells you uh, the fines. Oh, there you go. That's what I like to hear. I like, yeah, to hear how much, I like to hear how much trouble people really got in and how much it cost them. That's my favorite part. So I'm actually so that's some, that's one of the things I want to talk about when we we do this is uh do we think it's sufficient enough should it be more should it be less and uh I I find it that on the lower end like I, I'm like I would think it would be it would be higher yeah I, I think the problem with 
a lot of outdoorsy things is placing value on what an animal costs. So like right. the biggest problem is in the world that we live in today, you know, they put a chicken in a cage and, you know, a, ki- a chicken like costs roughly like, you know, four or $5. And so like if a person goes out and kills a grouse, is a grouse much more worth than a chicken's worth? And like, you know, and I think that's where they kind of like get into like, it's placing value on living things, which is a weird concept and a weird thing to talk about. But I mean, it is just what it is with, with what we do in the outdoors. We place a numerical value on a living thing. Right. Most of these are, you'll have the, the fine, the court costs, and then the replacement value of the animal. Yeah. Would be, you know, an additional, an additional charge. Um, I tried looking up Tennessee's, but I couldn't navigate the websites where I could find, uh, the different ones. But I'm looking through this. There's a lot, not just with wildlife, but they had like, Slidell man cited for gross littering in Orleans Parish. What is gross littering? I don't know. All littering is pretty gross, if you ask me. But it must be like that. Must be like cereal, cereal littering. Well, all right. Well, let's look at it here. I'll pull this up and then I'll make it uh visible on here somehow. Let's see how do I do that? Is this it? Nope. Wrong button. There it is. So apparently, this is gross littering. I see three. Four paint cans, some paint bottles, a beer bottle, and some kind of desk-looking looking thing. So, gross littering. It's a criminal, criminal penalties. Well, you got it. Indemnification. Uh, no person shall intentionally dispose or permit of the disposal of any household or office furniture or appliances, automotive parts, including but not limited to tires, engines, trailers, boats, boating accessories, tools and equipment, building materials, roofing, nails, bags and boxes, household, office garbage, refu- refuse upon any public place of the state, upon any private property in the state, not owned by him upon properly Loca- property located in rural areas in the state not owned by him or any other waters in the state, whether the vehicle otherwise including but not limited to any public highway, public right-of-way, public park, any beach, campground, forest, land, recreational, <laughs> park, highway, road, street, alley, except to when such property is designated by the state by any of the agencies and political subdivisions of any disposal of such items and such persons is authorized by the such property owner in such purpose. So essentially what that means is I guess gross littering is like when it's not just like cigarettes and whatever. It's like this guy had like a piece of furniture obviously here and and I don't know what else this other thing is, but like the furniture, it was what pushed it into gross littering. So watch how they found this dude. So agents were on patrol when they observed the fresh litter pile near the Highway 90 and Highway 11 intersection. This intersection is a long-standing location known for dumping in New Orleans East. Agents were able to find identifying material within the multiple paint cans, boxes, and construction material. Agents uh, traced the material to Delgado Rays in Slidell. So apparently he probably had his address and name where he ordered the paint color and it's probably sitting on the paint can is my guess. Dude, think more than anything. I think what we're going to run into tonight is a level of hilarity with like (laughs) dumbassery with people like being so stupid because like that's the thing that most people have to realize is like most criminals are stupid. Oh, yeah. They're just so dumb that they do stuff like leave their address on the boxes that they left around. And then the cops just go back to the address and go, Hey, 
We got you for gross litter in there, bud. Got additional paint cans. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, yeah. So agents went to Delgado Ray's residence and found additional paint cans identical to those on the litter pile. Agents made contact in the subject and uh, with the subject, and after conducting an interview, they determined Delgado Ray's placed the litter intentionally. Gross littering carries up to $900 fine, up to 30 days in jail, and 16 hours community service in a litter abatement program. Okay, so my question is, is obviously this old boy got up that day and said, hey, I'm going to load these items into my vehicle, and I'm going to drive them to this abandoned stretch of road and dump them there. Why didn't he just drive to the dump and dump them there? It would have it would have taken less time and cost him a lot less because I mean, if he gets the sixteen hours of community service, it probably only would have taken him an hour to go to to the dump at most, I mean, and so, it certainly wouldn't have cost nine hundred dollars. So I mean, old boy's gonna have to probably do two full eight hour days of community service in the hot Louisiana sun picking up trash. Oh, and it is high. And pay ninety nine hundred dollars and possibly set an entire month in jail. Okay, so I doubt they'll get the jail time. Well, here's the deal. Here's my opinion about the jail time. So you wanted to talk about like whether things are severe enough or not. The jail time to me is just a massive waste of my taxpayer money because I do not want to feed, clothe, and house right. somebody for 30 days who threw some trash out on the side of the road. Make the guy pick it back up, make him pay nine hundred dollars if he can afford it. And if he can't afford the nine hundred dollars, then make him show up every weekend for community service and better the community in which I live. Or better yet, give him some asphalt and make him go fill up potholes. That's what cool. I want to see. I want to see like community. Like, Absolutely. Just, you know, I think that more than anything needs to be the punishment for a lot of things. It's like screw jail time. Sitting in jail does nothing other than use my taxpayer money to feed, clothing, house somebody for a while. And figure Whereas, out how to be a better criminal when they start exactly, talking amongst Exactly. Exactly. So my thing is, is like, you know, not egregious crime. I mean, murder, rape, right, right, kinds of things. things. Like, people embezzling, like somebody that's embezzled. I don't even care if it's millions of dollars. They don't need to go sit in prison. They need to do something to better the system in which they broke. Right, which is nonviolent you know, crimes. Nonviolent crimes need to have nonviolent repercussions. You know, in like prison, man, prison is just. A, it, Prison is an industry, my friend. There are people who oh, make yeah, millions sure. of dollars clothing prisoners. All so. private, yeah. I mean, and there's private prisons that make they make money on uh, per inmate. I like it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, but I, I mean, got, don't get me going down a rabbit hole. I've been watching a lot of RFK lately, so I'm feeling uh -oh. a little bit of social justice warrior. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather see him do the 30 days of community service instead of 30 days in jail. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 30 like, days of picking up trash on the side of the road. Louisiana is a lot of trash on the side of the road. Yeah. I mean, so how many, how many, if he did, if he did Saturday, Sunday, every week, it would take him roughly how many weeks to, 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 I don't, I don't to do back math. 30, I, don't, I don't do math like that either. Well, two times 10 would be 15 one. weeks, right? Yeah, about 15, 15 weeks, weeks. If he did twice a week. Yeah, about 15 weeks. I mean, dude, yeah, that's it. That's, that's it right there. You know, every, every Saturday, he's got to show up at seven o'clock. They work an eight-hour day, and they go fill potholes. They pick up trash. They fix the community centers. They do it. I mean, all of these things. You know, all of these things that we neglect to fix, and the county neglects to fix, and like you know, it takes forever to fix. You could have a whole legion of people out there working on it. 
I concur, my friend. I mm -hmm. concur. Just saying. Just, <laughs> just saying. There was another one on here. Let's just pull up the picture. Uh, da -da -da -da. Sights woman or... Here's another gross littering. I know this isn't like the outdoor stuff. We'll get to that in a second. But I mean, look, it's a whole bunch of boxes. Uh, see a Walmart box. It basically just cardboard and a little bit of styrofoam and plastic. I mean, start a, a compost pile. You can get rid of most of that. Or burn it. Or burn it. And then, well, you or might not. get cited for that, too. Or not. Don't, no, don't do that, because then you're going to make me work. Yeah, because you could burn something else down, and then Vinny's got to show up. And or... You start a forest fire that blots out the freaking sun in most of the eastern seaboard yeah. <laughs> too. So you know, let's not yeah. let's not burn anything. What's crazy is this is I mean, it's not like a national park or anything or a state park, but wildlife and fisheries. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why they're hanging around there, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad they are. Clean that up. Interesting. Very All right, interesting. let's get to uh something. A tad bit more interesting. Where's this Mississippi guy? Here we go. Let me pull this up. Come on. There we go. A Mississippi man pleads guilty in St. Tammany Parish. By the way, if you're not from Louisiana, we have parishes instead of counties. It's a Catholic thing. Uh, St. Tammany Parish, 22nd Judicial District on June 14th for wildlife violations. The Honorable Judge Ray Childress accepted the guilty plea from Cody Powell, 23 years old, of Carrier, Mississippi. That's close by my dad. For taking over the daily limit and seasonal limit of deer and failing to tag and validate the harvest deer, the harvested deer, Powell must pay a total of $8,248 in fines plus court costs. The guilty plea stems from a case made by Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries Enforcement Agency's agents, pardon me, I can read, during the 2022-23 deer hunting season. During the investigation, agents revealed that Powell harvested two antlerless deer on November 24 from the Bogachita National Wildlife Refuge. For this area, a hunter is only allowed to harvest one antlered and one antlerless deer Per day. Agents also learned that Powell harvested an antlerless deer on November 19th and an antler deer on December 20th from the Bogachita BC and WF. For this area of the state, a hunter is only allowed to harvest only allowed to harvest three deer per season, not to exceed two antlered or two antlerless deer. So he done messed up twice in the same day. It's interesting. I mean so he killed too many deer in one day, two deer that were not of regulation. Actually, no, he killed one deer. He killed one too many deer in one day. One deer, one of those deer being outside of the regulation of being unantlered. And then on a separate day, killed another two sets of deer. One of those again being illegal. So essentially oh, they're, they're popping, they're popping him for, four thousand dollars per deer plus court costs yeah the problem was is the first two deer he shot he was fine he got the antler deer and an antlerless deer which he was allowed because it was on it was on two separate days even if that was on the same day it looks like he would have been all right so he got those he was fine but it was when he messed up and he got the two antlerless deer so basically so two does on the same day is where he messed up so i just wonder i wonder if this was uh, 
So here, 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 here's where I'm, here's where I start to struggle with these is like, I would love to see this person and I would love to see like what, so the guy pled guilty, right? But like, what was the intention? Was it, it was it, oh man, I've screwed up or was it, I'm going to egregiously break this law because I think it's stupid. Like this almost sounds like a, I jacked up kind of thing because I mean, it, it says that maybe you know, you're not to harvest more than three deer or exceed two antlered and two or two antlerless deer. So, I mean, like, if you're stupid, let's say this guy's a little stupid, because, I mean, we deal with a lot of dumb people on here on YouTube <laughs> and around the world. I mean, I'm not joking. Like, you would Oh, be, yeah, I know. Bethany's entire job is to literally to just deal with people being dumb and not reading things. I mean, and so this dude could have read the law, and he could have been like, oh, I killed two deer a day just as long as the antlers and not antlers and go out there. And then he went out there and he killed him because he's stupid. And so it's like, I wonder how much his stupidity played into this and like how smart this individual is. Uh, he, yeah, he might not have read the rules, but I mean, you can tell if it's an antlerless deer, if it's a doe or a buck. I mean, yeah, so, yeah. so he didn't mistakenly shoot two does. He intentionally shot two does. So now the only thing, so I don't, he's from Mississippi. So <laughs> I didn't mean it that way, but. <laughs> In Mississippi, I'm pretty sure they can shoot. Well, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. But they don't even have a tagging system, which is ridiculous to me. They have limits, but they don't have a tagging system. So you can lie and, you know, just shoot as many as you want, I guess. So, like, if he was going to do that, why didn't he just stay in Mississippi and not tag his, his animals? Well, then maybe there, too. He goes to a different state, not understanding. Thinking it's the same reading. laws. Yeah, 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 yeah. And see, and that's kind of the that's kind of the weird issue around state to state regulations. Again, if if you're a dummy, because I'm telling you, dude, like I think I think for the general like amount of people, probably people that listen to this podcast, you guys are probably all very smart all, individuals. All three of them. All three of them. You all can articulate probably the rules and regulations and the things that are put in place very, very well, and you can read and you can understand. But then you've got to understand that there's a whole population of people that cannot read. <laughs> and if they do read, they don't comprehend what they're reading and they don't ascertain as to what the information they just read means to their life. And so, oh boy, probably just went into Louisiana and thought, this is just like Mississippi. And just killed whatever he thought to kill and thought it was good because he just did. I mean, I got a feeling like I'm painting a picture in my head that this guy is like camo ball cap driving like an 87 Ford truck. And he was like, <laughs> hell, son, I didn't understand the damn. I mean, I read them damn regulations and this, this shit just ain't what I thought it'd be. You know, man, I just, I don't know, man. And just, damn, I guess I am guilty. And like, and then that was it. And then and they, they played guilty. Yeah. Yeah. And then they pinned him for 10 grand and <laughs> they went on with their day. They're like, got this dumbass. The thing is, is and with a, with a human being like that, does that person pay that back? Like, I guess they garnish their wages or whatever, but like, I just, you know what I mean? Like, there's always criminal charges where you see like, you know, $30,000 in criminal charges. Well, like if the person doesn't have a job, how do they pay right. $30,000 in criminal charges? Ah, uh, payment plans, I reckon. Make a loan. It's $50 a month until you figure that crap out, boy. And that's that's when you should uh be doing community service to pay it off. There you go, and that's what I'm saying. See, and this is like a non-egregious, non-violent crime. I mean, obviously, he killed right. four living creatures, but all at the same time, 
It's a deer, not a person either. So deer, I mean, not a, that, it's an animal, a, not a person. Yeah. A, so, a big difference. I mean, well, like, I respect all living things and yeah, and, and so on, but it you know, it's not a person. Well, I mean, figure out eight thousand dollars worth of community service and to let them get to work on it. Yeah, like you know, fifteen dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. Just like place yeah. yeah. There you go. Twenty years. Twenty years down the road. What's sure. the next one? I wonder why they don't have uh like they don't say nothing about him losing his um hunting rights or anything for a while. See, and I think that that ought, ought to be another punishment. I think that baseline punishment is you get your right to hunt and fish stripped away from you. Period. Done. Yep. Stop. Like if you if you break the law that egregiously and you plead guilty, regardless of you know I said earlier whether you ascertain the rules or not, that if you egregiously break the law like that in that fashion, the first thing they do is take your hunting and fishing rights away for a prolonged period of time or until you can prove you are a changed man somehow. You know I mean? Right. Well, yeah, I think there should be, and obviously it depends on the crime. I mean, for something like that, take his license away for three years. Yeah. Three, three to five years. Yeah. And, and, you know, you still get some fees, get some whatever, but I think in addition to it should, you should have lose some rights. And then after that, if you do something again, then it gets extended and, you know, third strike, you're out. You just yep. don't get the hunt or fish anymore. Yeah, exactly. I don't, and I don't disagree with that. Cause people do make mistakes. I'm not, I mean, I've made mistakes and didn't realize it until it was too late and it was like, Oh crap. You know, uh-huh. uh, I'm not going to say what it is. I'm not incriminating myself. Who knows wildlife might be listening. Is there a statute of limitations on that? Anything's just, I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. They can't go. They can't. Because here's the deal. I could say I, Alex Rudd, killed four deer last year and tagged none of them. Okay. I said something. Doesn't mean that it actually happened. And unless you can find proof that it happened, you can't get me for anything. Like, right, right. Because I could also say, I also saw Bigfoot. Is either one of those statements any more true <laughs> than the other? We don't know. And so very true. Yeah. So I'm sure there is something about that. But I mean, dude, it, it would be very, very, very hard pressed for any agency, wildlife agency, to get a judge to side with them enough to go, oh, this person said this thing. And so we're going to try to tackle with this. It out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're just not gonna do they got better things on their hands to go do. Like this guy, well, two guys, two Homa men cited for harvesting oysters from a polluted area. That's not, it's not good. It's foreign to you, isn't it? No. Oh, okay. First of all, harvesting oysters from a poisoned, poisoned area or a polluted area. Listen, I think they done are going to, I think they're going to, uh, unless they're selling said oysters, which if they're selling said oysters, then yeah, I get it. But if them boys are going to take them oysters home and eat them, I think they're going to suffer their own punishment in that that one right there. No, no, the problem is, is they're harvesting commercially. So oh. they're not going to eat them. They're selling them to people who will. That's why it's, it's so regulated. Uh, all right, so it says agent cited Oscar Aguilar... 31 years old and Ephraim oh, yeah, something Aguilar, 26 years old for taking or oh wait, let me let me do this more. Bing. All right. 
Well, you can read along if you'd like. By the way, if any of you guys listening to it in the podcast form, uh, in the podcast places, we do do this. We do do we do this live on YouTube every now and then, usually on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Today's a little different, but uh, anyway, where was I? Do 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 do. Uh, they were taking oysters from unapproved area for uh, and for violating the sanitation code for logbooks. So they messed up there too. Agents were on patrol in the Atchafalaya River when they received the complaint of oyster boats harvesting polluted oysters in the washout area near Point Offer Island. Agents arrived to the area and made contact with Aguilar and Macedo Aguilar in a vessel in the polluted area. Agents found the subjects in possession of six sacks of freshly sacked oysters. Upon inspection of the vessel's logbook, agents found the logbook to indicate the incorrect harvest area. Agents seized the vessel. Uh, uh, excuse me. Agents seized the vessel's scraper and six sacks of oysters, which were returned to the water. Taking oysters from an unapproved, polluted area brings a $900 to $950 fine and up to 120 days in jail. Violating the oyster sanitation code for logbooks brings up to a $20 fine. That doesn't seem uh, steep enough. In addition to all other penalties, the oyster harvester's license uh, under which the violation occurred could also be revoked. There we go. By the department and no new such licenses shall be issued for one year from the date of the conviction. The violator may also be sentenced to perform 40 hours of community service during the period in which the violator is prohibited from possession of an oyster harvester license for a first offense. The violators may be present on a vessel harvesting or processing oysters only if that vessel is equipped with and is actively using a vessel monitoring system. Okay, so that's bullcrap. Let me tell you why. So if, 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 if a bunch of dudes are going to harvest oysters that could be sold commercially, that could end up damaging humans in God knows what sort of ways. I mean, because just anything, I mean, mercury levels could settle into your brain and cause all kinds of damages to you, especially if you're talking about like certain sorts of pollution, heavy, you know, heavy metals, mercuries, leads, things like that. All right, so first of all, those dudes need to be tacked for something a hell of a lot bigger than 900 bucks and 120 Agreed. days in jail. Screw the 120 days in jail. Put them out in the ocean on a boat with an agent from the Louisiana DNR and make them go out there and build oyster habitat to help restore oyster populations within Louisiana that can then help to try to clean up some of those polluted waterways because oysters are filter feeders that help to clean up polluted waterways. That's what you need to be doing. And then to strip them completely of your, of their oyster ability to harvest oysters and make sure that they never do that again. Because I mean, you're talking about somebody who could in the long run really hurt somebody. I mean, give them cancer, kill them, give them some sort of disease because they're eating you know, heavy metal or some sort of pollutant leaden oysters. I mean, what's the difference between oysters with all these chemicals in them and someone who smells sells marijuana with fertilizer, like fertilizer and weed killer all over it and all these insecticides <laughs> that then kills a person because they smoke insecticides. I mean, what's the right. difference here? I don't know. Cause the, the ones who the guy was it the guy who killed the deer 
had an eight thousand dollar fine, and these guys only get nine hundred. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Wild. That's wild to me. That almost seems like there must be an industry that there must be some sort of industri- industry in in the backing of the industry within the political system that makes it work. Yeah, it sounds like politics. The poli- sure. yeah, the politicians are making sure that their interests are kept. Uh, yeah kept well so that their pockets can get lined by probably a giant oyster industry and a, and a, uh, uh, commercial fishing industry that we probably just don't even understand that that's there. Yeah. That's, that's, cause that's dang. I mean, eating like eating raw oysters is Russian roulette to begin with. I mean, you hear people keeling over every now and then. I mean, it's not a super common thing, but it's, it can be dangerous sucking down a royal oyster, sucking down one of them loogies. You ever eat raw oysters? Uh, yeah, a couple. I didn't enjoy them. I like them cooked. Yeah, I'd rather them raw than cooked. To be honest with you. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm weird about stuff. I don't know. It's, it's the the texture guy. Yeah. See, I'm not a texture guy. Texture doesn't bother me as long as it tastes good. Yeah, I'm. I, I like sushi though, but that's a completely different ball game. Well, yeah, I do love sushi. Sure. But yeah, no, that's a weird one to me, man. I I just feel like that there's uh. I just feel like anything where you see this could harm other humans other than the humans that were doing the thing, but we're not going to do anything really too harsh about it because money. I feel like there's always <laughs> kind of political backing with anything that like, that's essentially what this, this said was like, Hey, this is bad for a lot of people, but we can't prove that it kills anybody. So yeah, we're just going to keep the way it is and let these dudes go. I mean, like, Oh boy's probably out there on somebody else's boat right now. Just, you know, harvesting uh-huh. away and just making money. And I don't know, you need to figure out what the, uh, who owns the biggest oyster processing facility and see which politicians in their pocket. All right, I looked at this one earlier. This one's still on the news. I haven't heard anything lately. Um, yeah, it's the same one. Uh, let's see. This one is about a black bear that was cached. He uh, so there's no, which is confusing because it mentions out of season, but there is no season for black bear in Louisiana because they're still protected. We're still trying to get our population back. Um, but it says Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries Enforcement agents are looking for information about a Louisiana black bear. That was found with a fatal gunshot wound in Lincoln Parish on May 12th. Uh, LDWF agents and biologists responded to a report of a dead black bear off Millie Road in Ruston. Agents and biologists found the deceased bear on the night of May 12th, and it suffered from a gunshot wound. Well, well, now we're just repeating ourselves. Uh, anyone with information regarding this illegal killing should call Louisiana, blah, 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 blah. Oh, Operation Game Thief is offering up to a thousand dollar reward for anyone that has information and leads to the arrest of the case. Taking a bear during a closed season brings nine hundred dollars and nine hundred fifty dollars, nine hundred to nine fifty, uh, fine up to one hundred twenty days in jail. Anyone found guilty of shooting this bear may also face civil restitution or replacement value of the illegal taken black bear totaling ten G. That's what I'm talking about. So let me, let me, I'm going to throw, throw the dice in on this one too. Um, I think that the anthropo, I can never say this freaking word, anthropomorphizing of certain animals, i.e. 
um, like some have higher value. You mean? Well, the the giving human character. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I.e., I know that word. Yeah. Big predators like bears and wolves gives them an inherently inherently they have more value than your ungulates because people they have eyebrows. Yeah, they do have eyebrows. I never thought about that. Um, but like the, it's notice, like, notice an animal with eyebrows always has more uh anthro whatever you just said because it's more human like with the eyebrows yeah they don't have eyebrows no one cares yeah they don't have eyebrows yeah and and so i i think when you look at a bear obviously like these other crimes we've 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 read you know eight thousand dollars for those deer or whatever but they're only four grand a piece this one bear could garner up to ten grand and it's because i think people when you think about these big predators bears you know wolves foxes is not a big predator but it's a predator people like oh it's a bear oh it's Puppy a wolf. it's the thingy that i like because it's cuddly and it's da, da, da. what gives it any more value than anything else it's an animal animals an animal is an animal and it's weird that the bear's got 10 grand on its head well I, the deer. I think this i think it might have something to do with uh they're protected maybe because and it might be a population thing too because killing a bear and killing an extra deer is not the same thing because there's far less predators than there are prey and the bear is already you know struggling in louisiana i mean we're 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 doing a good job they're coming back but they're still a protected thing in louisiana Mm-hmm. No, I don't disagree. So that might, you know, and I mean, to me, that that should be a bigger fine if it's a, you know, more more endangered animal than something. Right. You shoot something that's endangered versus there's a billion of them, and you know, we actually need to take a few every now and then. You just we need to limit it so you don't wipe them all out, kind of thing. Yeah, I don't disagree. I just see, I have seen in my experience, especially here in Tennessee, how people like just don't care about deer, but they care a lot right. about our bears, and it's just like this weird. You know, the Smoky Mountains and Gatlinburg, and there's black bears out in front of all the little restaurants made of wood, and everybody's got a stuffed black bear, and blah, blah, blah. It's an animal. We got way too many of them. We need to kill them because there's way too many of them. I mean, <laughs> other people's trash cans in suburbia, right? I mean, like, it, it, it's weird that we. Well, they were here first, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the deal. Here, in that statement within itself, we've been here for a long time. And like we're here and we're not going anywhere. So unless someone wants to nuke us all and kill all the animals with us, <laughs> we're going to be here for a long time too. I mean, so. Uh, well, they're actually, uh, so update June, as of June 2nd, they're offering $6,000 reward. Now they really want to find this person. Well, the question is, 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 was this a self-defense case or was this a nuisance case that somebody shot this bear and then thought, shit, shit, shot that bear. That is the question. I mean, that would because, be the question. So, oh, if some bear is trying to eat my cat, I'm gonna dump some double up buck into him and see what happens. Uh my dog, maybe. I don't know. Cat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Chickens. I'd rather the bear to live than the you know. Cat. Hey, I'm not exactly so, a cat guy. Rabbit hole, more yeah. like a coyote hole. So the other day, I'm mowing my yard. I, actually, weed eating after I mow my yard. Dead middle of the day, one o'clock. Coyote comes out of the woods, grabs one of my chickens, and kills it in the what? middle of the day. Totally. While you were out there. While I was out there, weed eating with the weed eater in my hand, 20 yards away from me, I see it come out of the woods, 
grab the chicken and run back up in the woods. I walk inside, I grab my shotgun and I tried to crack him, but he was like way too far up in the woods. I still slung one at him just to try to get him. But like, yeah, yeah. I had to wring the chicken's neck. It did drop the chicken. I didn't scare it enough for that, but dead middle of the day. And so I got to doing a little bit of research. I thought, why is this coyote dead out in the middle of the day? And cause you know, I thought, well, maybe it's got rabies, but it's way too healthy looking, big, healthy looking coyote. Like it didn't look like it had anything wrong with it what's going on all the turkey poults and the fawns deer dropping fawns and all the turkey poults are being born so the coyotes are out in the middle of the day just walking around smoking turkey poults and eating fawns hmm so if you get your dogs and your cats outside folks right now be careful yeah <laughs> or your yeah. chickens yeah i mean if, if it's just one you don't really have to worry about your dogs too much but when them suckers pack up dude that's when you gotta you gotta well I mean, unless you got a little dog like like uh Bobby. Yeah, like Bobby. <laughs> Little Bobby. Uh, yeah, Look, yeah. I only gonna take Bobby. Yeah. I, I told man, you need to start you get a trapping license, man. Start trapping. trapping. Hell, I'm gonna collapse that thing's head in with a two two three here before too long. I hate coyotes, man. I love killing them though. That is like literally frog fishing in list of favorite things. <laughs> frog fishing literally blowing a coyote's head off those, oh man just like right there together you know not not I why do you why do you hate coyotes so much i just hate them man they're brutal like the, first of all there's way too many of them around here we need to kill them oh yeah there's a lot around here too second they are brutal brutal pet predators and just brutal nuisances one of the most disturbing things i've ever seen happen in a semi-natural environment is i watched a coyote pull a calf in half out of the body of a cow. So like one half of the calf was in the cow, the other half was out, and the coyote had enough boldness to walk up and grab the calf and was tugging on it enough that it got it caught up in the mama cow and ripped the calf in half. Jeez. I then freehanded it with a 270 at about 200 <laughs> yards. And very far that, so, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm going to be trapping them this, this, uh, this season. I love trapping. Yeah. Yeah, you need to, I'm telling you, you need to get you get, get you a few traps. Go put them in your oh jeez them. That got loud. Did that get loud on your end? Yeah, it went loud just like that did. That was loud. Jeez, I hit the uh hit the button while I was scratching my arm. But anyway, yeah, man, you put some traps out and they'll work all night for you. You don't even and then you can still shoot them in the morning when they're you know, because they're trapped, then you're gonna you know, dispatch them or whatnot. But what speaking not? of chickens, uh I got six chickens now, man. Heck yeah. What kind of chickens did you get? I got the uh, rock bar or barred rock and three of them and three brown leghorns. Nice. Old foghorn leghorn. I say, I say, yeah. I, say, I, say I say, son. That's nice. So, uh, well, I'm coming to find out that my rud, uh, my rud roamers are not rud roamers. No? I was lied to. No, that's completely no. different. I got some, yeah, I got something completely different because I, I Google rud roamers and they're, they're red and they're dark and they're you know, a very robust chicken. Chickens I got are not not dark. They have speckles kind of on their tail, and they're just not as robust as I believe them to be. But I'm waiting. They said they're slow growers, so maybe they get a little bit more growing to do, and they'll they'll molt off to a darker color. But right now, I don't think I have red roamers. I think I've got like like Ted's chickens or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So like I'm uh my my chickens are kind of multi purpose. So I'm gonna start with the eggs. Let them let them lay eggs. I'm gonna see uh, how I do with that, and uh, see how long I can keep them alive. And then eventually, I'd like to 
get you know dual purpose chickens that that get big enough to eat and i'm going to just reproduce them and, and eat some chickens and the other thing is to lure predators in nice and close like so i can uh do some trapping around here get some yeah. furs get some uh, meat yep i eat me a raccoon boy i'll tell you what i would not eat a coyote i'm gonna try it the first the net well the next one i get the first one i got she's mounted staring right well, actually she's staring at me right now uh oh clotilde over there in the corner but um yeah the next one i get i'm gonna try to backstrap just because i gotta try it i mean i tried possum probably won't do that again Possum's uh, crazy. Rac- raccoon was pretty good uh and then obviously nutra is fantastic beaver is freaking delicious and so is bobcat fyi bobcat tastes like pork but not quite you know that you know that chinese pork that comes in their pork fried rice or whatever it's yeah, like pork. Cat. Well, right, bobcat that's, that's what i'm saying you know i'm saying if, if feral if you know house cats taste like bobcats then i think that's where the pork comes from probably just yeah. saying and yeah, then beaver tastes like uh beaver tastes like uh beef actually yeah Very you know back in the day trappers preferred to eat beaver and bear over deer oh no doubt i i, mean, I would yeah, they would eat the beaver the beaver because of the fat and the bear because of the protein and the fat. And that's where we get the saying, a buck. A buck is because they would sell all the deer hide. They would sell the deer meat, and, and that's how they got, you know, a buck was the value of the a value. Really? Yeah, a value of amount. I think it was a value of amount of meat that a deer would provide. And so they would sell the sale or barter with the deer, and they would keep the bear and the beaver for themselves, and that's what they would eat. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where the something new every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hold on. uh, where did the term "buck" come from? Just so, uh, uh, its origins to the American colonial period, where deer skins or buck skins were commonly traded for goods. So they would trade a buck skin for a buck. It would be a buck, and then that's. It where we got the reference to the $1 bill being a buck because it was worth about a dollar. Interesting. Very interesting, huh? Yeah. Huh. Very, very, very interesting. Thank the Meat Eater Podcast for that one. That's where I learned that. Good. I, I like the Meat Eater Podcast. I think you, well, uh, my buddy Frank told me about it, and then you said I would. I should really start listening to it because I'd like it and I love it. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Meat eaters, meat eaters, good stuff. They get a whole network of stuff. It's not like a promoter form. I have no affiliation with meat eater, but they do have a whole network of shows. Bear grease is pretty good too. They're a lot better at it than I am. <sighs> That's all right. That's all right. Hey, random question. Uh, green or blue? Oh crap. Uh, green. Back before the war broke out, I was a saucier in San Antonio. There you go. A little Robert Downey. <laughs> Only an African American man. I gotta figure out how to make that louder. Laser. Le who? The her. Le who? There. I love it. I feel like Freddie Mercury holding this microphone like this. You look like Freddie Mercury. Just kidding me. What are you trying to find another one? Um, they got like a bunch of different things in here, like. You got to kind of sift through them. Like agents cite two men for oyster. Oh, oh another oyster violation. Vinny, the Vincent Verdon, then near down, blew a man's head off 
or touching his dog. Uh-oh, got some drug and weapons charges. There we go. Now we're talking about a good time. Let me hear that. Agents cited Anthony Martin, 38, and of Moores, I don't know where that's at, and Raymond Daniel, 35, of Pasadena, Texas, for illegal carrying of a weapon. Uh, Martin was also arrested for operating or driving a vessel while impaired. <laughs> you dummy. Uh, possession of cocaine, possession of a firearm while in possession of cocaine, operating a watercraft while under a uh, license revocation, intentional littering. <laughs> They're just hitting his dude with everything. Failing to comply with personal flotation device requirements and failing to comply with voter education requirements. Daniel was also cited uh, for possession of marijuana. Marijuana. Agents, what happens there is when they get you for something, something like like cocaine and a weapon, they're gonna they're gonna just they're gonna tattoo you. No, no, no. What happened was they pulled him. Oh, dang, was that a little reverb? How'd you do that, dude? I got there's a uh, auto tuning on this thing. What board do you got? I want auto tune. Uh, what they call this thing? Monocast. Dang. It's like a cheap little. That's cheap. 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 So so no. Here's what happened: was they pulled old boy over. They go, you got cocaine and a knife. You got one pound of Colombian bang bang taped under the front seat and it just called the heat. <laughs> so you better get to going. Um, no, so they 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 pull the guy over because he's got some cocaine and a knife. He takes a swing at a cop, and these cops go, All yeah. right, you done you you done screwed around. You're gonna find out because it's a one-to-one scale. You F around, you're gonna find out. So he F'd around at a 10, he's finding out at a 10, and now they've tacked every they threw the book at old boy. That's yep. But yeah, dude, cocaine. Agents. Like, listen, there's levels of like, like, okay, so there's like, you got some weed. Oh man, he's got some weed. You got a lot of weed. Probably gonna sell that weed. Damn, that's a lot of pot, man. <laughs> like, you may be a drug cartel. <laughs> then there's he has cocaine, and it's like that's a whole nother level of you're in the drug cartel and you're doing things you shouldn't be doing. I don't see, I don't see an amount. Uh, agents were on patrol when they found Martin operating a 14-foot vessel uh, with Daniel as a passenger. Uh, agents made contact with the men and detected a strong odor of alcohol coming from Martin. Agents determined that Martin was impaired after conducting a field sobriety test. Agents also found that Martin was in possession of cocaine and concealed handgun. Agents then found Daniel in possession of marijuana and a concealed handgun. Agents also learned that Martin threw an empty beer bottle into the water. Gotcha for littering, Padna. Agents booked Martin into Acadia Parish Jail. Possession of cocaine carries up to a $5,000 fine and two years in the big house. DWI on the water brings a $300 to $1,000 fine and up to six months in jail. Possession of marijuana carries up to $500 fine and six months in jail. Illegal carrying of a weapon and possession of a firearm while in possession of cocaine brings up to a $500 fine and a six months in jail for each offense. Uh, intentional littering carries up to a $500 fine. Why is that the same? <laughs> Why is that the same as carrying a gun with cocaine? I don't know. Fine and eight hours of community service. Uh, operating and you didn't get community service for the drugs and the gun. That that's interesting. Operating a watercraft while under license or revocation brings up to four hundred 
to nine hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, no, excuse me, sorry, not that much. Four hundred dollars or nine hundred fifty dollar uh, fine and up to one hundred and twenty days in jail. Failing to comply with the PFD, that means prevent freaking drowning, and voter education requirements carries up to a fifty dollar fine for each offense. Man, that's one of those you know. Incur your own risk with not wearing the uh, the the life jacket there, buddy, because you're already snorting cocaine, you're already yeah. drinking the alcohols, and you've got a gun and a knife that you ain't supposed to have. I mean, I'd have just I'd have probably just let the, the PFD slide, but hey, what do I? <laughs> no, no, they're gonna attack on everything. A lot of times, what they do uh, when they get you with all of those things, especially the little things, is they'll get you to uh, uh, plead. For one of them, and they're like, "All right, you plead guilty for this. We'll drop this and this." Yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. they tack on a lot. That that helps the DA out to get it to where you ain't got to go through court and all of that stuff, yeah. which See, saves us wonder, money. And I wonder, I wonder, like he probably pled guilty to the gun and the cocaine, and they were like, "All right, that's good enough." Like, yeah, and we'll do with the rest. So, so my question is: Is this a violent man, or is this just a dude who enjoys a little bit of toot and some guns? I don't know, but I mean, he, he asked me, he deserves everything he gets because you're not just, you know, you didn't just go out, have a good time, drink just a couple too many. No, no. You didn't just go out to have a joint on the boat. No, no. I wanted to get drunk, snort a couple lines so that I'm just zinging and then maybe smoke a joint to start calming down towards the end of the night while I'm toting my gun illegally. Is I, this in Arizona, you said? No, this is here. Oh, but the boys this is all Louisiana. But these uh, boys were from Arizona. Did I say that? Let me see. I, I think you know. said that they were from Arizona. Texas. Texas. They're from Texas. Pasadena, Texas. Tejas. I didn't know Tejas was known for such cocaine use. But well, yeah, they're about a border. Of course it is. Oh, well, yeah. Well, dude, it ain't cocaine no more. It's heroin, son. But anyway, mm-hmm. don't get me going down that rabbit hole either. Because that's a good one. That's a whole conspiracy theory that I don't. Oh Lord, anymore. Um, start a different podcast for conspiracy oh, theories. Dude, let's do it. Um, but anyway, so looking at this, I find it interesting. So, so rabbit hole. I believe that there are certain marinas around me on certain lakes that are known to be party lakes with these big marinas full of boats and people who like to party that these marinas may be paying off some of our local law enforcement to not show up on big weekends and weekends to enforce the laws of driving under the influence or driving a watercraft under the influence. Because I have yet to ever see in my life once in person and or heard a story about anybody and or seen a news report about anybody being pulled over for being for driving a watercraft under the influence. Wait, say that again. Okay, so I think there's some marinas around here mm-hmm. that are handing some cash to somebody. I'm not going to say the law enforcement agency directly. I'm not going to say the agents directly. I'm not going to say, I'm just saying they're handing money to somebody to make sure that there's nobody shady going on, that there's nobody sitting around these marinas on the weekends, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, when these people are out here and they're literally pounding beers and driving float boats and sea dues to make sure that these people aren't doing that and pulling people over. 
I think I think it's because the marina makes so much money because these marinas have like restaurants and they can serve alcohol. And so to avoid getting their alcohol license stripped from them or avoid getting their restaurant shut down or avoid losing any business, you know, they hand old Bobby, the TWA officer, the the, the police officer, you know, hand him a little $1,500, 2000 <laughs> like, hey, man, you know, don't show up this weekend. Go over on this other side of the lake and do something. Now, if it's something like that, it's not going to be the officer. It's going to be the politician who talks to the one who's over them and saying, look, uh, lay off the lake this weekend. You know, we got a little party going on. Yes, think about it. Think about the amount of money, not only through taxes, that some of these places could probably make. But, like, you know, you pay off some politician. You know, Gary the politician. You go, hey, Gary, you know, I heard you like to get your wiener touched. And, you know, I wonder if I know somebody who touch your wiener. And then, you know, Gary goes, yeah, I'd like that. And and so this guy, this dock owner, this marina owner, hires somebody to touch Gary's wiener. And Gary just happens to be, you know, in on city board. And next thing you know, there ain't nobody showing up to the guy's dock on the weekends to, in you know, to enforce any sort of law because old Gary the politician is getting his wiener touched. Wow. Freud was right. <laughs> I'm just saying. You will never forget the sacrifice that Sweet Baby Ray's made to save your own life and entrust in your hands the future of human civilization. Oh, <laughs> uh, do you ever heard the cabbage sharp? I know this is like just completely out of left field. You ever heard the cabbage sharp cheddar? Uh, how to advertise commercial? <clears throat> I believe so. Uh, that sounds familiar. I'm gonna have to find it and play it on. I'll have to put it on my soundboard because this is the most fantastic thing ever. Yeah, I, I, that sounds familiar. It sounds like a really funny and familiar. I think that's I've hilarious. Seen it. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, your boy down here, he says commissioners eating for free. Eat, getting the wieners ate for free. That's what I'm saying. This this podcast has gone down a terrible road. I am so sorry. I'm in a little bit of a mood anyway, and so there's just no telling what's gonna come out of my mouth. Keep it, keep it PG. 13? 13. PG-13. Okay. okay. Well, you know you get one F word for every PG-13 movie. Do you? You do. Get one <laughs> F word. Got to use it right, but you get one. <laughs> oh, Lord. Agents cite two subjects for shrimping violations in Terrible and Parish. Let's see what a shrimping violation is. Uh, agents cited Keith. I don't even know. 61. Here, let's do this. I forgot about this part. There you go. Uh, Keith, can you see that? What is that? How do you even say that? Where at? Where, what am I looking at? Keith S. What's this dude's last name? Eshete is what I would. Eshete? Eshete. Agent Sadiq Keith Eshete. Oops, sorry. I was going to read it. Let me read do it. it. Go ahead. You got this one. Agent Sadiq Keith Eshete, 61, from Montagut. I don't know. Mon- Montague. Montague, Montague, and Keeley Vice 49 from Tylertown, Mississippi, for using skimmers during the closed season and using oversized skimmer nets. Agents were on patrol at 12.50 a.m. What a strange specific time to be on patrol. On March 7th in the state offshore waters south of the Terrebonne Parish near Oyster Bayou when they observed a skimmer vessel actively shrimping in closed waters. Agents made contact with Eshete and Vice on the vessel and found them in possession of 1,453 pounds of shrimp. That's a lot of shrimp. Agents seized the shrimp and sold them to the highest bidder. That's interesting. They also... 
<laughs> the agent seized the shrimp and sold them to the highest bidder. And pocket all the cash. And they pocket that sounds very corrupt. Hopefully that money went back into conservation. They also seized two oversized skimmer nets. Using the skimmers in closed oh, using the skimmers in closed season brings a four hundred to nine hundred and fifty dollar fine up to and a hunt up to one hundred and twenty days in jail. Using oversized skimmers carries a two hundred and fifty to five hundred dollar fine up to ninety days in jail. Agents participating in the case were Sergeant Gerald Sander and Corporal Brent Herbert. Listen, Gerald. And Brent, we're going to be subpoenaing your uh, your your bank records very soon to see if there were any deposits for large amounts of cash for approximately fourteen hundred fifty three pounds of shrimp that may have been seized and then sold to the highest bidder. That's nope. in, yeah, that's interesting. Usually they say it's donated, like the meats, but I guess a hundred fourteen hundred pounds of shrimp is a lot of shrimp to be that's donated. A lot of shrimp, dude. I mean fourteen hundred pounds of shrimp. That's almost as much as my truck weighs. I mean, like that's a lot of shrimp. And I, I got to do this real quick. Say that guy's last name again, Brent. Uh, Brent um, Herbert. Ebert. Hebert. <laughs> Her. All my Louisiana people are laughing right now. Yeah, how you say that one? bear. Oh. <laughs> I would have never guessed that. Yeah, well, you, no, you wouldn't. Hey, bear. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Beard. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really, really Frenchy. That one's an interesting one uh, 1450 pounds of shrimp that's, yeah, uh, that's a lot of shrimp i don't think that i can wrap my head around what 1400 pounds of shrimp looks like that's quite big it is <laughs> man i need to get more uh some better buttons i only have eight i, I have eight presets i have eight as well oh yeah i got eight but I can do 16 if I pull it up on my computer, which I probably need to do that. And I have them all labeled and everything. So, yeah. It's fun. It is fun. That one's weird, though. Yeah, 1,400 pounds of shrimp. I, 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 I'm guessing that would fill my truck bed completely full of shrimp. What I find interesting is, is not they don't charge them per pound or whatever. Because I know, like, if you catch, if you kill ducks, if you kill over-limited ducks, I'm not, I'm, no, I can't confirm this, but, uh, I was told it's like 600 bucks a duck Ooh. over well, the limit. I guess it's really hard to kind of, I mean, how prolific are shrimp? You're using big words. Say, uh, define prolific. Uh, like how, um, how much Some do of they like school teachers? Okay. I, I'll put this in very simple redneck terms. You ready? How much do they screw and how many babies do they make after they screw? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's, a lot of shrimp out there so yeah so that's probably where it's like one of those things it's like you know the value right like the value of the life of a shrimp is obviously much less and then two it's like yeah, but still you would think you know a hundred pounds you know every hundred pounds is a, a you know a, a different charge you know an extra charge or something like that i mean yeah let's say that every hundred pounds is a hundred dollars so right. it's you know a dollar per pound i mean at 1500 pounds they're gonna owe fifteen hundred dollars right i mean but I guess if they sell them to the highest bidder, I guess they're getting more bang for the buck selling them to the highest bidder, and then all that money goes back into conservation. You know what I mean? Hopefully that's where it's going. I mean, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm assuming it is, or into wildlife and fisheries to pay the officers because I mean, I think our, I think our licenses is what pays the law enforcement officers. So interesting. Very interesting. I think that's where it comes from. You know, you know, one thing that's always interested me is the federalization of waterfowl. 
And I would yeah. love to know where the federal money for waterfowl goes. Like, is there, is there a system that you can follow for that to see, like, is it going back into Pittman Robertson back into state funds or is that just like a federal tax? Well, you have, so you buy a duck stamp, a federal duck stamp, which mm -hmm. is where the, the money goes for the federal. And then you also like Louisiana also has a Louisiana duck stamp, but you don't get a stamp like the federal duck stamp. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, they changed a bunch of stuff now. I think that might be included with your base, your hunting license now. I'm not sure. Uh, it might not be a separate thing, but I think that's where they divide it. So you're still getting federal and state funds separately. You know, it is fascinating to me that each state has such a complex set of outdoor-based regulations, especially around hunting and fishing. And yet, us as hunters and anglers probably in my opinion, are the shining example of a city on a hill of what the interaction between citizens and government can look like mm -hmm. and how a system based in laws and money can work in a way that benefits everybody. Because we can still make, for the most part, I mean, here in Tennessee, I know it's different in, every, in different places, but we still have an opinion. We still have a seat at the table. We still are able to change things and it's just fascinating to me that when you look at the government as a whole we can't take more from wildlife and fisheries and pass right. it the system yeah that they kind of let me down uh recently because they had a and by they i just mean i guess politicians whoever name one specifically yeah, yeah. well so our 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 fish population our um inshore fish population uh they're all kind of struggling a little bit right now um they put out surveys and uh letters of intent or whatever to reduce the speckled trout limits mm -hmm. so right now they're the limit is 12 inches is the minimum mm -hmm. and you can keep 25 speckled trout which to me is outrageous regardless why do you need 25 speckled trout but anyway that's beside the point i'm sure when that came out back in the 80s there was plenty enough speckled trout to to, to do that so they wanted to change it to 13 and a half inches is the minimum and you can in the uh was it creel limit coal limit whatever it goes down to 15 and a lot of people i talked to were on board with that i mean obviously you got a lot of people who aren't but they unanimously voted it down and didn't want to, didn't change it. Interesting. And I, I, I do not under, it kind of ticked me off. I do not understand it. Cause right now, wildlife sending out, um, surveys to talk about, uh, because I like how they do that. They, they, they go to the anglers and the sportsmen and ask what they would like to see a limit change, you know? So they got, um, different variations of what they could do with the redfish, like, um, you know, 27 inch redfish is a bull red mm -hmm. uh, they got options to where you don't keep any bull reds anymore because right now we can keep one we can get uh, it's a five fish limit the slot is 16 to 27 mm -hmm. and you get allowed to keep one over 27 mm -hmm. out of, you know included in that five uh, mm -hmm. but you know they send out a thing saying do you want to you know eliminate the bull red uh only keep three and then, you know, it could be like 18 inches instead of 16, you know, just a bunch of different combinations of how to change it. Well, they did the same thing with the speckled trout, but 
you know, that they never did. They didn't change the uh, the limits. Now they're doing with the redfish. Hopefully, it'll get passed. But I mean, that's kind of a. I don't know. I don't understand why they didn't change the limit. Because I, mean, I, I, I want to say it, it's 1980 something was when they put the limits. I know for the redfish for sure it was in the 80s when they made the five fish limit, and it hasn't been changed since. Now we've lost a lot of land, a lot of habitat since then, and we've added a lot of anglers since then. So let's see what your boy said here. I don't know if any of this is true, but I'm going to read it because it's there. Inshore Maniac. Nice username there, bud. The LD, L-A-D-W-F is owned by the charters of the state. Can't win the title law that is still in effect because of the big oil money, but they own everything else. Well, that's, uh, you know, I'm sure the charters have a lot to do with a lot, but uh, personally, my partner's in the charters and the charter he owns, and I talked to him, I actually had him on the podcast, and he he would actually like to have seen uh, the limits get changed because it kind of puts them in a tight spot. So you can't tell your customers, no, you're coming down here you know, from out of state, you want to come fish, and you're going to tell them, no, you can't keep a limit. That's kind of hard to do and run a business. But his business depends on there being fish to fish in the future, or you go out of, you know, you know what I'm saying? Or you go out of business when there is no fish no more. So, you know, they would like to see, or some of them, the one I know would like to see them do that and do some conservation so that it ensures that he has a business uh, the rest of his life and the past on passed down to his kids and so on and so forth, that we still have fish to fish in the future. So, Let me think about this for just half a second here. Let me, let me gather my thoughts before I speak. Um, I think that I think I think an issue that we're dealing with here. If a law hasn't been looked at or revisited since the eighties, so we're talking about forty-ish years, mm-hmm. 30, 32, 40 years, depending on when in the eighties it was. I think like a lot of things that we talk about nowadays, vaccines, civil law, public law, conservation law, like maybe it's time we revisit it. And another thing is, is what sort of scientific data or study are they basing their decision-making off of and how long did it take to complete that scientific data or study set to understand that these are the krill limits or regulations that they need to put in place. And do you have to worry about a financial influence into said science and said data that makes it where the data can be um, manipulated in a way that benefits somebody that may be unseen or seen depending on the situation. And and, And that's what I worry about a lot. And so I, on my podcast, not not to push the Alex Rowe podcast, but come by sometime. Um, <laughs> doors open 24-7. Especially on the 28th when I'll be on there. That's right. That's damn skippy. Um, 
but but I'm going to have back on the conservation director for BASS. And one question that I do want to ask him, and, and it's a genuine concern of mine, is how can we trust the scientific data if there may be a financial influence into the scientific data that makes it so the scientific data aligns with what the financial influence needs to hear and needs to see in order for that financial influence to continue what it's doing. And so, like your boy says here with with charters, you know, there may be a system in place where you've got a set of charters, not your friend, but maybe a mass majority of charters or a set of charters that have grand influence that are going, hey, you can't do this because it will kill the the amount of people that are coming to Louisiana to these these these. Uh, cities on the coast, bringing in these tax dollars, putting butts in seats, putting butts in beds, putting butts in restaurants, and putting butts on boats in order to catch these fish. And so if you change this regulation, not only are we going to suffer, but you will suffer in the long run because we won't have that financial you know, institution that we're so used to. And, and, and I think what we need to do as conservationists and stewards of the land is we need to start to push for a breaking of the norm that you know what you may have to suffer financially so that in the long run we all can benefit from a proliferation or the screwing of fish in order to make sure that fish last for a long time generation to generation i think that we're moving into a i've been thinking a lot Vinny. you can tell i think we're moving into an era here of political awareness that people are starting to realize these things in things like this situation where it's like, why is this the status quo and who's getting paid to keep it the status quo? Mm -hmm. And then if it isn't the status quo and there's a problem that, that the normal angler is seeing the normal participant in this system is seeing and everybody else has seen it. Everybody's talking about, it, but somehow the science doesn't align. Then where's the financial influence into this? That's making it so that the science says what the science needs to say to make sure the financial influence is happy. So I got to do some more research, but there, if I'm not mistaken, the science has shown that the redfish population is on a decline. And I'm pretty sure the speckle trout was the same thing. The reason they started revisiting it. Mm. So that makes it sound even more shady because if the science is showing it and they still voted it down. And again, I got to look it up. You know, I don't want to, spit facts that aren't facts so um but that's something i want to get more into and uh and research they actually got a podcast uh the redfish podcast i think they only have two episodes the last time i looked at it uh but it's a it's a couple of uh it's actually three fly fishing redfish fly fishing guides um in the area that started this podcast and they did um a lot with to do with the science and stuff the the reports that they put out uh for the redfish if y'all if anybody wants to go check that out um, but another thing, uh, Brian, let's see, yeah, uh, Brian mentioned the pogie boats. So, pogey. Manhattan, I guess you know what those are, Manhattan. like bait, like bait fish, yeah, those big bait fish, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a huge forage for our inshore species, and Louisiana has the most lenient laws for these pogey boats. I mean, a lot of these pogey boats are from like China. They aren't even local. Yeah. They're not even United States companies. Um, and we know they can literally bring their nets and scrape the beach with them here in Louisiana. 
They don't have a, a maximum, a minimum distance that they have to stay away from the shore. They can just come and just take. And then they have a certain percentage of bycatch that they're allowed to catch, which is astronomical. And that's another issue that we're fighting here in Louisiana because miss, the boats will leave Mississippi, leave their waters and come over here because there's no laws, basically. It's like the Wild West over here just scraping pogey and all the... Uh, the federal government is broken. <laughs> well, that's the state. The state needs to pass those laws. The state government's broken too. I don't know. If, I don't know if you know this, but Louisiana is uh, pretty much known for our how corrupt our politics are. <sighs> Buddy, I swear. I'm telling one. you, I've been on a little bit of a tear lately with all this shit, and I mean, like, I, I, I I'm just, I'm so. I don't even know if I'm emotionally invested into it, or maybe I am. I don't know, but it's like I've seen so much corruption lately, like so many situations where where Americans, not America, Americans, me, you, the normal dude living his life, paying his taxes, is getting screwed so hard. And, and it's crap like this, like a Chinese company or a foreign company, period. Screw if it's China. Screw the Chinese, not the people, the culture. Right. But like, like, if those people can come here, a foreign company can come here and they can scrape the beaches and deplete our natural resources while also having the ability to have a certain amount of bycatch that can turn out to be redfish, stingrays, dolphins, sharks, and all your little things that you want, your sea turtles. Oh, got your sea turtle. Well, imagine a Chinese company brings a sea turtle on the boat and it kills it. Yeah, because they don't care. Because because our government has gave them the ability to and the right to do whatever they want to within our waters. Like, but the thing is, is if if that was some other foreign country, let's say Russia, let's say Russia come in here, we'd have freaking World War Three. But because somebody's getting their pockets aligned, it's okay for that company, dude. I'm sorry, I've turned this into a damn <laughs> but I mean, like, it's just it's broken, man. It drives. So so this is so this will be a, a call to action all right so obviously we can't i, I can't personally stop these pogey boats from well, i mean i guess i could but not without getting shot or arrested uh stop these pogey boats but we have dynamite we do we do have dynamite that, that napalm you were talking about earlier like, like the joker said he just needs a few bullets and some gasoline that's it no but so like i can't change the laws for the um your limits like the fish limits right but since i understand that there's an issue i'm trying to change the mentality of you got to fill the box every time you go so i'm not gonna take my i'll stop keeping bull reds i don't keep any bull reds anymore because that's your breeders they don't breed till they get 27 inches so they're not reproducing until they get to a, a bull so i'm not keeping those anymore because that's my breeders if I don't, if I got meat in the freezer, I might not keep any of them. I started tagging fish, so I can go out catch redfish, tag them, and release them. So they'll, you know, for research purposes. And I'm not saying everybody has to start tagging fish. I'm just saying, keep in mind if you have, you know, two gallon Ziploc bags full of redfish in your freezer, you, you don't need to go out and catch five and keep five. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know what I mean. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Oh, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. Here, here, here's the one part I didn't like that you can't change the laws. You can. And the well, way that you do that is you be a squeaky wheel. You be loud. You be proud. You say the things that no one else wants to hear. And I can I can tell you that my influence here in Tennessee and the things that I've said and the people I've had on my podcast 
have have made some changes. And it's pretty fascinating to see that when you're squeaky and you're loud, people listen to you. Now, you may make some enemies, and that's fine. But these politicians and these people making these decisions, let's, let's even strip the title of politician away. Anybody in a position of power that hasn't been voted there by me or has been voted there by me, who's getting paid by me and my tax dollars is beholden to me. And so that being said, we have within our rights, especially freedom of speech and our freedom to petition, to go into petition and to say the things that, that need to be said. And the thing is, I think you would be amazed that with your influence and you, and I know you always like, well, my influence isn't that big. Your influence is plenty big enough. I mean, you got people here and however many people's watching this and are in the comments that are willing to invest enough to be in these comments, get these people to sign a petition, get these people to email their congressmen, to email their state representatives, to email the directors of their DNRs, to have conversations, go out, be, you know, be articulate, be polite, but be stern. And when they have these public meetings, go in and ask hard questions. Because when you ask hard questions, here's the deal. I'm never there to, st- I am there to stir the pot, but, I, <laughs> but I'm never, I'm never there to, to project my opinion on anybody. But I will ask a question that gets a lot of people thinking. And that's the thing. That's the only thing that I've been doing with my podcast and the conversations I've been having. I'm just getting questions asked. I just ask a question and I sit back and I let the person either articulate an answer back to me or fumble all over themselves. And normally when they fumble all over themselves is when people go, oh, like Alex may have a point here. This may be a problem. And then the question starts to proliferate. And that's what's been amazing is the questions that I've asked have proliferated not only from the Oxford Fishing Podcast into videos, into TikToks, into Instagram. You should see the uprising of people within the TikTok platform talking about that we have to do something about tournament fishing. Now, I'm not saying it's totally me, but after starting conversations, after 100,000 odd downloads on a podcast, you would think that maybe some conversations that I'm having, some questions that are being posed are starting to change the direction of the conversation. You can do it. And I know you can. And I love the concept of, Hey, we don't have to keep one every time we go out, especially when it comes to something like a redfish. You know, it's not the same with bass. We got plenty of bass. We actually need to kill some bass and eat them because we've got way too many little ones. We need to protect the big ones. But in your situation, it's like, Hey, we don't even have enough period in done right. stop like there's not even enough here to hit our regulations or like hit the five yeah. limit. you're right that was very uh postmodern american of me to think that uh and that defeatist mentality but that's just something i'm not used to you know like i, I do want to hey, start going to the meeting defeatist or fetus yeah either one okay you, go, you go ahead. yeah no i do want to start going to like the meetings the um all the meetings the, the wildlife management the political whatnots to try and do stuff like that but i'm still learning you know I, i'm still trying to figure out all of that and maybe i'll get with you and tell tell me where i gotta go and what i gotta do but i want to get some like i want to get biologists on here i want to get um hell i'll even get politicians on here to want to talk about uh the situation good luck with that shit i've tried they won't come on like they don't even entertain me well i could probably get like a local one maybe that i'm thinking of but i don't know uh but anyway, yeah, so I'd like to start getting more conservation-minded. on. I'm trying to do that on my channel and my podcast and everything because I think it's, I mean, it's important, man. It is. It is important. I think it's what changes the dichotomy of the political scene that we live within, and that's why I'm so, I think, I, for the first time in my adult life, 
And when I say adult life, from the time I was able to actually participate in the political system. For the first time since then, almost a decade now, over a decade, 11 years, I feel enthusiastic about the direction in which we're going because of conversations like this. Grassroots, podcast-based, people with opinions getting on there and being able to have a long-form conversation about those opinions in, in all aspects of life, not just the conservation, not just you know wildlife and fisheries, but the grander scheme of, of the direction in which we're going. I am so encouraged because these conversations are leading to actual like tangible changes. And that's beautiful because that is truly the most Republic democratic, right? Beautiful form of America that America can take is people talking, people arguing, people coming out with good solutions and applying the solutions. And I think what I was trying to get at earlier was, the government has to run from the bottom up instead of the top down. Does that make sense? Yes. I can, we I, the people. I, I, so I, Hold on just one second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yell at my wife, but you keep talking. I can see him yelling at his wife, but I can't hear him. I'm going to wait because I don't know if he's hearing me, and I want him to hear the whole conversation. My computer's on one percent. I'm having my having Bethany literally like jogging. Oh Lord! I didn't realize it. I didn't realize my computer wasn't plugged in. Hurry, honey! Hurry, 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 hurry! My run, li- Bethany, run! My life is at stake. Plug it in, honey. Plug it in. Plug it in. Okay. We made it. Yes. No, but so so like instead of the government having to govern us. We should be able to, first of all, think for ourselves. You don't have to do anything to the max extent of the law. If, am I even making any sense? The, the thoughts are in my mind, but they're not coming out of my mouth the way they're in my head. I don't even know if I'm making any sense. I got good words in my head, but they don't come out of my mouth the right way. Did that make any sense at all? Or do I have to try and re-explain and just go Say even? it in a different way. For instance, we don't have to wait for the them to change. For example, the redfish limit. We don't have to wait for them to change it for us to do the right thing. Yes. What I'm saying. Yes. And the I'll, law doesn't have to, even though the law allows it, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. Exactly. I love that. And, and we I, need to, and I think we need to take the first step to do that. And then we could change the law once everybody gets on the same page. Yep. But we need to take responsibility for ourselves instead of letting the government take responsibility for it. Exactly. Oh, and the heavens open up and, 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 and light rains down. Yeah, exactly. Like, we need to take first personal accountability for ourselves. And we need to have a set of morals that we ground ourselves in. Now, my set of morals is grounded in the Bible, and a set of morals, moral, you know, foundation that I build myself upon there. And whatever Jesus said was good, that's what Alex tries to do. Now, do I do it perfect? Absolutely not, because I'm broken. But I try my best. Now, that also being said, you know, that that moral compass that points us north in the direction that we need to be going, doing the right thing, regardless of what the law says, is so important. Because I feel like if you've got a good moral grounding number one you're never going to be on the wrong side of the law you're only ever going to be on the right side of the law so if the law says you can keep five well maybe because of your personal anecdotal experience with seeing a decline in redfish numbers in your area you only keep three 
or you only keep two, or maybe you don't keep any because your freezer's full and there's no reason to harvest. On the flip side of that, if the government comes out and they say, or a scientist comes out and they say, hey, man, we've had a giant, you know, we've had this giant algae bloom. The the phytoplankton is exploding. These redfish populations have exploded over the past 10 years. We have a proliferation of redfish. And when you go out, dude, you can't keep from catching a redfish. Well, then you may keep a few extra than than you need to, to stock the freezer because you see that that's the good thing to do. Like, we have enough sense as human beings to see what is good and what is not good. And, and, and I think that when we take a personal accountability for that and then we apply, apply that personal accountability with a system of morals and a system of laws and a system of regulations that all should make sense and hopefully do make sense, and maybe within that system we've helped to influence some of those laws and those regulations and those things that we've got in place, <clears throat> then we have a beautiful system there. But I think it starts with what you said, personal accountability. And that's what I tell people all the time. Just because you don't have to pick up the trash at the boat ramp doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Pick it up. Throw it in the trash can. It's not your Red Bull can. I get it. It's not your Bud Light can. It's Dylan Mulvaney's. I get it. But, like, pick it up and put it in the trash can because that's what a good steward of the earth, of the environment, of the resource would do. This is what a good human would do. And that personal accountability on that level, even if somebody just sees you do it, it may influence somebody else to pick up a piece of trash and then influence somebody else to pick up a piece of trash and somebody else and somebody else. And then we make a dynamic shift in the point of view of everything through one small movement. It's just like, it's like the pay it forward act. You ever gone through a drive through with this doing a pay it forward? No, I know what it is. Okay. So I've gone through a drive through, um, especially Chick-fil-A's around here. I was in line one time and they were like, hey, just so you know, we're on like the 260th person for the pay it for. Would you like to buy the people food behind you? Because the person bought yours. I said, absolutely. And like, it's little things, man. It's little things. That personal accountability, that personal little voice in your head that goes, hey, that's the right thing to do. And go and do it. Yep. So I'm an, I'm an instructor for um, in the Louisiana uh, Trappers Association. And one of the things I love about it is that's pretty much the motto there because Louisiana doesn't have, I mean, has like probably the most lenient trapping laws. Like Mm. really only have two laws. Well, if it's a Bigfoot, kill it. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, it's like three in trapping laws. One, you got to trap only during the season. Two, Mm -hmm. you can't use traps with uh, teeth on them. The the Mm -hmm. teeth jaws, which I think is illegal in all the states now. And the other mm-hmm. one is you have to check the traps every 24 hours. Every mm-hmm. day you got to check the traps. Mm-hmm. That's like mm-hmm. the only one. Now, other states will have, you got to have certain size traps. You can't have this big a trap, this for this, blah, 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 blah. Can't use uh, cable restraints, whatever. But we teach in the classes and instructors that just because it's legal, again, doesn't mean you should do it. So yep. we teach best practices. We want the best thing that's one has the least amount of bycatch. So it's most efficient, uh, causes the least amount of damage to the animal. That's a big thing that people don't understand with trapping is that it's how humane it actually is. Any like a coyote, if I catch him in a foothold trap, I can let it go and release him and that coyote, coyote would be completely fine. Mm-hmm. Like 90% of the time doesn't even break the skin. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just it just holds his foot there. It doesn't break his leg, doesn't break his bone. And mm-hmm. a lot of money and time has been put into making sure these traps are most efficient like that. 
Mm-hmm. But that's one thing they promote is just because we can don't mean we should. Yeah, it's beautiful. Dude, that's that's it. That's conservation. <laughs> like, yeah. that is the basis of conservation. And I think that, wow, Vinny, this has turned out to be a really good conversation because now I'm, I'm starting to kind of understand my own moral quandary with like a lot of things that are going on like tournament fishing i think what we're dealing with is not a breaking of the rules it is just people that aren't taking the personal accountability to go not can we should we and dude that's that is a deeply that is that is the duality of man buddy that's it right there i mean that hits it on the head is not you know yeah we can but should we? I mean, yeah, no. you can you can snort cocaine and have an illegal gun and a knife. <laughs> <in the boat. laughs> but you probably should you? shouldn't. But you probably shouldn't. <laughs> uh, driving the boat intoxicated. We're driving the boat. Into, yeah, exactly. But yeah, man, that's that's it. Like, and uh, that's a good. I mean, that's just that's that is that is a like that's a way to question a lot of things. You know, it's like you know when we look at it and, and we say. You know, well, you know, we're never going to fish a lake out. You know, the bass population will never disappear. But, you know, just as long as we do X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, that's that's good. So we can do that. But should we? Right. You know, as as the higher life form here, as the thing with a conscience, as the thing with a brain that can think in a complex way and knows the moral aptitude of of what it does should we be doing it it's a it's a different you say you're talking about the bass in the lake it's a different dynamic than down here because i'm i'm talking you're thinking about a bass in a lake i mean how many bass are in that lake and how many people would have to fish and keep fish to wipe that lake out well that's the thing you're never realistically you're never ever going to fish a lake out now that being said, tournaments, when you think about a tournament, what does it what is the purpose of a tournament? What are you trying to do? Catch the biggest fish? Yes. And then do what with them? Throw them back. Or take them to a way and then throw them right. back. Right. So so the purpose of a tournament is to catch the five biggest bass that you possibly can. So that means that in in let's say in a conservative estimation on some of these lakes around here that every single week we have 50 to a hundred boats with the sole purpose of going and catching the five biggest fish that they possibly can. Many of those people not doing best practice to keep those fish alive or to keep those fish healthy and, or doing it ignorantly, not knowing what even good practice is to keep those fish alive, keep those fish healthy, only viewing those fish not as a living living creature, but an ability to make money and to win something, going out there and abusing and using a resource in a way that probably isn't the most sustainable way to use it. Right. And then that's where you start having a problem because you get a lake that, yeah, you're never going to fish all the fish out. But if we go from being able to catch... 22 and 23 and 24 pound bags with your five best fish to being able to only catch a 15 pound bag of fish then we've obviously made a very very critical error in our thought process of again yeah we can but should we right and and the should we is where it gets real muddy because 
that's where the, 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 the influence on people's mental states and mental attitudes towards things, that's the hardest thing you can break. I mean, because someone's going to go, I have a lot. I used to be this guy. I got a license that says I can keep five. <laughs> that's great. So legally you can, but should you? Right. So it's, and I'm not downplaying the lake at all, you know, what you're talking about. Here, though, it, it scares me because we're not talking about not being able to get big fish. We're talking about not having any more. Which is you crazy. So, so you know, in the inshore, it's it's the habitat. Um, like I said, the pogey boats and everything. And we're talking about fishing them out and losing the fish. You know, like ways, so what is, a way what of life the, down here. What is the what is the threat level? of that so i don't know i that that's something i want to get the more facts i want to talk to bio i'd love to get a an inshore saltwater biologist down here uh mm-hmm. on the podcast to, to just try and get deep down into it um but i mean it's 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 a way of life down here i mean people come from all over the world to come to louisiana to fish redfish mm-hmm. because we have the best the best habitat for it we have the best fisheries but it ain't what it used to be. And if we don't do something, then it ain't going to be. You know what I mean? Because uh, like Florida, I think they can only keep two, maybe one uh, redfish. What was it in Carolina when you went? We never kept any. I don't know. Okay. Honestly, yeah. but I mean, you know, but that was the focus of the gods that I was with was catching. Right. Really. You know, and I mean, Judd had no qualms of keeping them. But, I mean, his main purpose was catch and release. Now, the speckled trout, catch them and keep them and eat them. But it's because they have an, an extreme abundance of them. I mean, he right. said, you know, speckled trout are just out of control. But the redfish are suffering from, number one, um, industrial-level trawling. So the industrial-level trawlers for shrimp and other types of fish just decimate, you know, yearling to fingerling-sized redfish. So the redfish will spawn, the trawlers will come through, inevitable inevitable bycatch. They're killing thousands upon thousands of tens of thousands. I mean, at an industrial level, they're killing redfish that aren't able to then grow up and turn into redfish that you can catch on hook and line. That's interesting because I've never heard anything like that here with trawling. And I've, I mean, I've only been trawling once, and I've never seen any redfish in the trawls. We've had croaker, which is, I mean, it looks like a similar to a redfish. Yeah. Um, but that's I've never even heard of that here, so I don't know if that's a. I wonder if that's a thing here that would. And it may be, and it may just not be very talked about. I mean, that's one of the things that like Judd expressed to me, saying that hey, you know, this is not good. Like this is a issue here. You know, this industrial level fishing, and that's dude, that's the thing you got to deal with in saltwater that you don't deal with in freshwater is an in- literal industry around fishing. Right. Like yeah, we got guides and there's tournaments which i consider tournaments an industry around fishing that needs to be regulated more heavily than it is but when you say industry around fishing down there you're talking about commercial fishing mm-hmm. you know this this industrialized style of fishing that i think in many ways is like this is like 1930s you know uh what's the jungle you know like you know where you this who wrote the jungle um my lord, hold on a second. The jungle. 
by uh, Sinclair. Yeah. Um, what was it? What is it? Upton Sinclair. So the jungle by Upton Sinclair. So the, the jungle is, a uh, is just a pretty much a firsthand account of, of industry in the 1930s, unregulated industry, you know, child, um, you know, child labor, all that stuff, right. Rats running over meat. That's wait, you know, yet to be processed. Those kinds of, I think, I think what we're seeing here is, is a, is a modern day version of that, that, either gets a blind eye turned to it, or there's just an ignorance level to it that people don't understand that this industrial level of fishing and essentially abuse and molestation of the environment is inevitably going to come back to bite us in the ass period. And so you only really see that in the ocean because the abundance levels of fish that we need and the fish that we like to eat and the things that we like to focus live in the salt. And so you guys may be seeing a lot more industrial level you know, almost Upton Sinclair type things going right. on that are so unregulated because politicians' pockets are getting lined by these companies that essentially keep Louisiana on the map. Because let's be honest, I mean, like, what industry does Louisiana have? They've got the salt and the oil. Yeah. You ain't if it's sugar. And sugar. Okay. <laughs> so salt, oil, or salt water, oil, and sugar. I mean, so those are your three big industries there. That's all you guys got. That's what the whole entire state runs on. And so, yeah, there may be some smaller industries, I'm sure, but whatever. Those yeah, are that's your the majors. Three. That's your big three. And so, you gotta you gotta kind of take into consideration these industrial level things that are happening. That it doesn't you can't regulate. You have to regulate your way into it, but you can't almost regulate your way out of it either. You know what I mean? Because you got to be careful regulating your way into it because then you're stealing personal freedoms and things away from the normal person because that's the person they attack first. They don't go for the industry's nuts. Right. Industry's nuts is what's keeping the 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 political system and the state afloat. They're going to go for the normal person. But like you said, I think that if you can make this almost grassroots kind of guerrilla warfare style not not to not to indicate violence, but guerrilla war st- style and meaning that you know, small pockets of people making good decisions, making Mm -hmm. the yes, we should decisions. Then that's where you start to see a difference. But I think that's one thing that maybe isn't being taken into consideration or that I would love. I mean, those are the kinds of questions. Hell have me back on and put, get this biologist on here. Cause I'll ask him questions like that. That's like what I want to know. Like, are they fearful of a redfish population collapse? What is the main factor? And then when he gives me the main factors, push the question of, is there any industrial fishing level things that are going on that are outside of your control? Maybe even from foreign entities that you can't control. Are you worried about those things diminishing the redfish population? Right. Those are questions you got to ask because that's I'm try- interesting. I'm trying to get like the CCA Louisiana to come on. You know, I want to, uh, my buddy knows some of the guys I'm going to try and get people from over there. I'm trying to get, uh, like tag Louisiana, the ones that uh, tagged the redfish, speckled trout, red snapper, um, because uh, there was a uh, wildlife and fisheries was funding it for a while, but that ran out, and then now they're getting funds from you know CCA and partners to to keep it going to try and uh, you know keep the research going and everything. So, so I'm this, trying, man. This is an interesting comment, and then I'm probably going to go to bed because I'm getting up to go fishing in the morning. Um, so your boy Insure Maniac, he said every state limits has limits on their productivity. True, but you only have to go offshore so far before you're not in state limits anymore. Yeah, there's a documentary that I watched, and um, 
if I could remember what it's called, let me actually Google it real quick so that I can share it with you guys. Netflix documentary about overfishing. Um, Seaspiracy. So Seaspiracy, like kind of conspiracy, but the word is Seaspiracy. So what they were talking about was, you know, all these state agencies that are like trying and trying and trying to help to regulate, you know, and like you said, set limits on their productivity. But you go one mile over a line into international water and they can do anything that they want to do. And you've got the Japanese, the Chinese, the European countries, American countries that are absolutely just raping the seas. They're raping mm-hmm. the resource which affects a lot of those fish, you know, like a redfish or a tarpon or something like that. I think a tarpon, if I'm not mistaken, there's there's one of the fish that, you know, after they're done spawning, they go, go, some of them go back out and they get in deep water or they go spawn in deep water, kind of do like the spray and payment prairie method. So while they're in that deep water, they are susceptible to that bycatch to that, 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 that form of industrial fishing that for the most part is probably just going to kill them. And like they were talking about in this, in this documentary, it's fascinating. Like that the, this trail of death and destruction that they leave behind them. I mean, it like you can smell it from miles away from just all the dead fish floating and like sharks and dolphins and all these things are just killing the shit out of them. And like the seagulls are there just eating them. And just, I mean, it's just this death and destruction and mayhem but it can't be regulated because it's in international waters. Yep. That, uh, so three nautical miles off of the nearest land is the state waters. Louisiana state waters extends three nautical miles from the nearest land and federal waters is 200 nautical miles uh, into the Gulf. And that's the thing is you go out there, there's fish that swim out there. There's fish that reproduce out there. There's fish that live a portion of their life out there and they can be just as heavily used and abused as any other fish that's inshore and then you got a state like louisiana that allows these international industries to come to the shoreline too yep i think yeah and that's where redfish go so they go in they're inshore until it's time to breed then they go when they spawn they go offshore there you go and that's where them boats are going to scrape them up so that's the breeders are getting you know yeah and like a lot of this in the seaspiracy like you know they were talking about like how I think it was Japan specifically, or one of the Asian countries, Japan or China, I forgot which one. I think it was Japan, which I was surprised by it because Japan you would think is very modern. Like they're not going to do these weird industrial practices, but they do. They would label something tuna, but it was like, yeah, there was some tuna. It was like at least 4% tuna, but the rest of it was like mackerel and kingfish and redfish and snapper and whatever. I mean, this is whatever they could grind up in there. And there's like, you know, nobody regulating that. They're just grinding it up like, you know, like hot dogs. It's buttholes and elbows. You know, they just grind it all up and shoot it into a tube. They were doing the same thing with like canned fish and different things like that. So, dude, this has been one hell of a podcast. This started (laughs) off as like people breaking the laws and we have gone into a deep, dark rabbit hole of political conversation. And I love it. One more fact before you go. To haul in their catch, Pogi Boats dispatch two smaller boats that unfurl a 1,700-foot-long net. They draw the ends together and fold the bottom of the net to capture the fish, which are then vacuumed into the mother boat. 1,700-foot-long net. Anything that has the word mother boat 
That sounds like aliens abducting people, and I'm not about that. <laughs> they were ducking pogies. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to let Alex run. Purple. Go to bed. Purple. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Perfect. Vinny, I love you, buddy. Yeah, man. Same here, brother. Looking forward to seeing you over there in ICAST. Yeah, if I get in, I, 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 this is the hardest year that I've ever had getting into ICAST. What you mean? So I applied for my media badge, and like I have to pay. I'm not paying, but I have to pay for the media badge and like waiting for approval and application. I've never had this much. I've went to, I've went to ICAST seven years in a row. I've never had to pay for anything or apply for anything like this. It's the hardest time I've ever had getting into ICAST. I honestly did the application thing thinking there's no way I'm going to get in. And it just, oh, okay, you're accepted. I'm like, oh, sweet. I mean, I'm sure they're going to accept me, but I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why it's, this is a, I cast you, you should be ashamed of yourself if you're listening to this for making this. <laughs> now they're not going to let you in. Yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap this one up. Look, um, if you know any biologists, anybody from CCA, anybody from Wildlife and Fisheries that would uh, like to come on this podcast, uh, send them a message. Send me a message if you want to see anybody on this podcast that, uh, you know, be good and informative. We can have good conversations. Let me know somehow, some way. But uh, we usually do this live on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Follow me on Instagram or uh, I do the post on YouTube to let you know when the lives are coming up. And if not, it'll be released every Monday after the live on wherever you get your podcast, wherever your podcast are sold. Alrighty then. Alrighty then. Love bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad.